Resolve. To decide firmly on a course of action. What kind of resolve do you have to follow Christ? Is it lifelong or convenient? Passionate or dry? Casual or consistent? As we embark on a new year, let's look at our lives in the light of Scripture. Let's get back to the basics to live sold out for Jesus. Let's strive to live on purpose. Well, we want to uh, thank you for being here at First, Kempsville, uh, First Norfolk on Kempsville, and we want to welcome uh, those who are at First Norfolk on Volvo. So let's welcome them who join us live stream. When you know the why of your life, then you can understand the what of your every day. And different people have said it different ways over time, different philosophers in different seasons uh, of our history. Uh, but it comes down to this. If you know your purpose, your why, then you can understand how to navigate your every day. The why uh, helps you understand the what. That was also true in the life of Jesus. Jesus understood his why. He understood his purpose. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 4. We looked last week at, at how that uh, Jesus understood the purpose for his being. Uh, he understood the purpose for his life, but not only did he understand it, he began to share it. Uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 4... Verses 18 and 19, Jesus is in his hometown church, uh, the church of Nazareth, the synagogue at Nazareth. He's in his hometown church, and he stands up in front of the people, uh, and uh, they give him the book of the scroll, and he asks for Isaiah. He turns to Isaiah chapter 61, and this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to those who are blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. As you look at that, uh, understand Jesus is declaring the reason for his being. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, uh, to heal the brokenhearted, uh, to, uh, to, to restore sight to those who are blind, to, 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 to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim uh, the acceptable year of the Lord. He's come to invade this world of human misery with the transforming power of God's great good news. That's his why. Um, now, as we look at his why, we begin to understand that it wasn't just a slogan for Jesus. We live in a sloganish kind of age. We have different products that we see on television that have slogans attached to them. Uh, when I was growing up, there was um, a, a, a slogan for a product, it was good to the last drop. It's a coffee product. Um, we have slogans like that today. Um, but for Jesus, the saying of Isaiah 61 that he read wasn't a slogan. 
it was the purpose for his life that defined his day. It defined how he lived his everyday life. And that's what the why does for us. When you and I understand our why, it defines our days. It defines how we live each day. So Jesus has, has defined his why. Then, in today's passage, Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 31, we see that Jesus begins to live out the what that flows out of the why. He begins to live his life based upon the purpose that he came, uh, for which he came. So uh, Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 31, our text this morning. Uh, the scripture says that Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now, in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? By the way, the answer is yes. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and destroy the demonic horde. Okay? All right. So the answer was yes. And he knew it. That's, that's why he cried out with fear. Uh, uh, ah, was literally that, that uh, uh, in the beginning of verse 34 where it says, let us alone in the New King James Version. Uh, the, the, the Greek word there is literally, ah, I like that one better. <laughs> ah, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 35, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him, the man in their midst, the demon came out of the man and did not hurt the man. Uh, then they were all amazed. Verse 36, they were all amazed and they spoke among themselves saying, what word this is for with authority and with power, this Jesus commands unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about Jesus went out in every place in the surrounding region. And Jesus arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made requests of him concerning her. So Jesus stood over Peter's mother-in-law and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose, and she started serving them. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. And Jesus laid hands on each one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, probably to pray. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. They wanted him to hang out some more, as you might imagine. Verse 43, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this, because for this purpose I have been sent. And Jesus was preaching the good news in the synagogues 
of Galilee. So as we're looking at this passage, what, what I want us to see is, is that Jesus didn't just have a slogan, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to, 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 uh, uh, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to, to set at liberty those who are captive, the, uh, the recovery of sight to those who are blind. To, uh, he, he, that wasn't just a slogan for him, it was the life that he lived. He literally went preaching the good news of the kingdom to those who were afflicted. He literally went healing the brokenhearted and the shattered lives. He literally went and fulfilled his why. And not just in, the, uh, in, in Capernaum, but he would do it throughout his life and ministry. Now, that was his why, and it determined his what. You and I are here today, and if we're followers of Christ, understand it is your why that determines your what. And when you understand your why, when you understand your purpose, then it will define the days of your life, your decisions and your actions. But we've got to understand our why. Now, Jesus spelled it out for himself, and and we know that Jesus had a unique purpose, right? I mean, Jesus, only Jesus is the Messiah. Only Jesus is uh, God become flesh and dwelt among us. Beholding his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was unique, uh, and Jesus had a unique purpose. But there are some overlap uh, between his purpose and our purpose, between his why and our why. You know, the reason is because we are followers of Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, then, then most certainly the big picture of his purpose is going to flow toward us who are following after him. After all, the teacher teaches, but his students embrace his teaching and then pursue it the rest of their days. That's your job. That's my job. If you're a follower of Jesus, your job, my job is not to live for ourselves as though we were our own best teachers, but rather our purpose is to follow in the footsteps of our master, our king, our Lord, our sovereign, our savior, the one we claim to follow. His name is Jesus. His purpose becomes our purpose. In John chapter 17, as Jesus was preparing to be killed, he had lived his days fulfilling his purpose. He understood his why, and throughout his earthly life, he lived his life fulfilling that purpose. And so as as he comes to the end of his earthly life, John 17, he's about to be arrested, and then he's going to be killed uh, on a cross as payment price for sinners like you and me. That was part of the purpose, okay? That was part of the what? He had to die, and then God was going to raise him from the dead. So Jesus is preparing. He's prepping for this arrest and crucifixion, and as he prepares for that arrest and crucifixion, he spends a lot of time in prayer. That's a great, great thing for us to do as well if, if we want to be ready for the test of life and, and, and pursuing the purpose that God has, us, has for us. We need to spend a lot of time in prayer. Um, I think we touched on that a little bit last week. But, but as, we, as we look here in John 17, here's how Jesus described it. Okay, so this is an intimate look at the prayer life of Jesus, all right? John 17, begin verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son might also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have finished the work you've given me to do. I've glorified you on this earth. There is a theme that defined the days of Christ's 
life on the earth. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son might glorify you. I have finished the work you've given me to do. I've glorified you on the earth. And Jesus understood that the big picture of his why was to glorify God. It's what, what we have as our big picture purpose as well. You and I, you and I were made and forged on the anvil of God's saving love through faith in Christ so that we might glorify him, so that we might live for him who died for us and rose again, so that we might fulfill our calling of honoring God with all that we are, that, so that whatever we're doing, whether eating or sleeping or drinking or going to work or going to school or, or, or playing in our backyard or jumping on a trampoline or going fly fishing in the Smoky Mountains for beautiful, pristine native trout. Yes, Lord. Whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. That is our big why. The same as Jesus. Jesus had this big why. He lived for God's pleasure. He lived for God's glory. He lived to make much of God, point people to God, to announce the inbreaking of God's great love. He, he came to bring God glory. That's, that's what he lives out in verses 31 through 44 of Luke 4. He, he's living for God's glory. Now, guys, get it. Your life, the big why, is God's glory. Not yours. Not yours. Not mine. God's glory. The big why. Why are you here? It's not to make yourself happy. Why are you here? It's not to be comfortable. Why are you here? Not to get what you want. We are here to glorify God, period. That's it. Now, when we glorify him, guess what? We are most satisfied. We are most happy. We are most complete. We are most fulfilled. Because we are walking in the why of our life. So as we look at how Jesus lived out the why of his life and his everyday decisions and actions in this passage, let's, let's just learn some lessons. Again, he had a unique, a unique why. He, it, it's similar to us in that he lived for God's glory, but the way he lived it out was, was a lot bigger than what we're going to do, right? I mean, uh, you're not going to walk into the, uh, into the cancer ward uh, and start healing people. That, that's not what you're going to do. Jesus could. You get it? I mean, Jesus could do that. You can't. That, uh, all the people, and this isn't a shot at faith healers at all, but if you really are a faith healer, go to the cancer ward and heal the people. You see what I'm saying? That, that's what Jesus was doing. You see what Jesus, They would bring all the sick. And the scripture says that Jesus would go to each one. Literally, the language is very specific. He would go to each one who were sick and filled with diseases, and he would lay his hand on them, and they would be healed. I, 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 now, that, that's unique. We'll talk about that in a second. But, um, but, so Jesus had a unique way of expressing the why, how to bring glory to God. Um, and it's bigger than, I mean, only Jesus can die for sin. Only Jesus can, can bring forgiveness for sin. We can't do that, but we can point them to Jesus. 
right? So there's some overlap, but, but we need to understand Jesus had a bigger why than we have, but, but our why attaches to him. And, and so we live for God's glory. What does it look like in our daily lives? Well, let's look at how Jesus lived. When, when we look at this passage, one of the first things that captured my attention is that when we live by God's purpose, the purpose that God has planted in our life, then, then we live in his power. We live under his authority. We, we see this in the life of Jesus. In verse 33 and 34, Jesus goes to the synagogue in Capernaum and he begins to teach. And they say, man, this guy teaches with authority. It's, it's with the very power of God. That picture of Jesus teaching with authority was as he taught, the Spirit of God filled the words of Jesus and pierced the very hearts of those who were listening and began to mold and shape their lives. They began to understand that Jesus was speaking um, the very words of God and, and, and they needed that and they began to crave that. When they said he spoke with authority, they were talking about the power of God in the words that he shared. But more than that, when, when, when Jesus comes with authority because he's living in the why, he came, Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to, to, uh, to set at liberty those who are captive, to, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to, to give recovery of sight to those who are blind. Jesus began to live that in very personal and practical ways. In that same setting of the, of the synagogue in Capernaum, he's teaching and they're amazed at the authority, the power of God alive in his words. And then there comes this guy that's filled with a demon. And, and, and so Jesus rebukes the demon and the demon goes flying out of the man. And, 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 and the man who once was demon possessed is now in his right mind. And, and the people said in verse 36, what what word is this? Oh, what a word this is. For this Jesus, he speaks with power and authority. Now, that, that's unique to Jesus in some ways, but it's also part of our life as well. As followers of Jesus, when we sink our life with the purpose of God, when we live our lives for God's glory, when we sink our li life with the purpose that God has given us, make no mistake that God is going to empower us to fulfill that purpose. He is going to empower us to display the good news of his great love with others. He is going to empower us to display this wondrous work of God's rescuing love at, at work in, in, in the lives of people who are broken and shattered and, and captured and captive and oppressed and, and addicted. He's, he's going to help us uh, speak God's power in their life. Now, we don't have the power, but Jesus has the power. And that power leads us to engage people who are drowning in their despair and who are struggling in their darkness. He, he invites us to engage them uh, for his glory so that we might share good news. Now, that, that's, that's part of this journey is, is when we live by God's purpose, we live by his authority, by his power. And, 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 and then when we live by God's purpose, we, we seek to share the good news of his rescuing love with others. That, think of how Jesus, uh, right before he's ascended to the right hand of God. All right, so Jesus has been killed on a cross as payment price for your sin and mine. He, he's been crucified. He gave himself willingly. The big why, for God's glory, I'm going to die 
so that sinners might live. Okay? So that's, that's Jesus fulfilling the purpose. And God raises him from the dead. And then Jesus says, I want to get with all the disciples and I want to get them together. And so in Matthew 28, he brings them together and all the disciples are sitting there looking at Jesus and Jesus begins to teach again right before he ascends to the right hand of God. And this is what he says. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as you go, make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I taught you, and behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So here is this authority and power that Jesus had, and now he says, use this authority that he has to make disciples of people who are far from God. How do we do that? We do it by sharing the good news. And Jesus has said the very purpose for which he came, uh, 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 Luke chapter 4, verse 43 and 44, the very purpose for which he came was to preach the good news of the kingdom, the good news that your sin does not have to be final or fatal. The good news that your shame can be erased. The good news that the, the, the cell of circumstance in which you find yourself even now can be shattered by the grace of a living God through faith in Jesus Christ. The good news that there can be this great reversal in your life. That yes, you are dead in your trespasses and sin, but God's great love has invaded the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ and he has come to set you free. Now, why in the world are we not sharing that with others? I mean, this is part of our why. God's glory, God's glory, part of God's glory is for us to do as Jesus did, and that's to tell the good news, to, to, to live in the power and the authority of Christ by sharing the good news of, of God's rescuing love with others. There are people who are drowning. Why are you holding back the rescue? There are people lost in the darkness, in the deep darkness, wandering around in the wilderness. Why are you holding back the rescue? There are people in need of hope. They're drowning in their despair. They need hope. Why do you withhold hope from them today? Friends, listen. We have this wonderful privilege to walk in our why. To bring God glory by sharing the good news of God's rescuing love with those around us. And guys, listen, you are not walking in the why if you're not sharing the good news. So today, listen, let's join in this journey. Jesus committed himself. And, and oh, not only was Jesus proclaiming the good news, Jesus became the good news. It is by his death on the cross that you and I, no matter how sinful we may be, and guys, some of y'all are really sinful. But no greater a sinner than I am. None of you. No matter how sinful, you can be rescued. Shame can be erased. Love, love that you've never known but always wanted can, can nourish your soul for the first time and for eternity. Yes, there is rescue. Goodness gracious, we need to tell somebody. When we live in God's purpose, 
We live by God's power and we live in such a way that we share the good news of his rescuing love with others. Which leads to a third aspect of this why. When we live by God's purpose, we also push back the darkness with the light of Christ. We push back darkness. I, I got to tell you, that it was dark in Jesus' day. I mean, demon possession, there wasn't just one demon possession in Scripture, there were a bunch of demon possession. Somebody said that, that demon possession was somewhere between mental malady and, and really spiritual forces at work in the lives of others. And, 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 and guys, I, I believe that to be true. I believe that that, that is reality. But, but, but here today, I, I've got to tell you, um, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, and I'm thankful for a lot of different uh, 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 medications and, 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 uh, and consultations and clinicians and, and doctors who can help us with our mental maladies. I'm, I'm thankful for that, and, and I celebrate that, and I rejoice in that, and I participate in that, all right? So, so I'm thankful for all of that, but, but we need to understand that, that we still live in a dark day. And there is evil and darkness that has pervaded our world. But Jesus came to dispel the darkness. When he confronted that, when he confronted that, that demon-possessed man in the synagogue of Capernaum, the, the, the demon-possessed man knew exactly why Jesus was there. He said, have you come to destroy us? And Jesus, he didn't answer it, but, but he said, yes. Yes, that's, his, that's what he's come to do. He's come to push back the darkness, to destroy it, to, to debilitate it. And, and so he lived his life and he went to a cross and he died on a cross for sinners and he conquered death and hell itself so that darkness may be defeated. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? It's gone because Jesus is raised from the dead. Jesus came to destroy. And by the way, the reason the demon-possessed man was so scared was because when darkness confronts the Holy One of God, darkness will lose every time. After all, it was Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12, who stepped, and, and this was toward the end of his earthly ministry, but, but he was in the temple. He was literally in the court of women, and, and, and there was the festival of water and the festival of lights, and in the middle of the festival of lights, Jesus steps out of the darkness and into the ring of light, and he looks at the people who are there in the temple square, in the temple court, and he said, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. And you, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus, you know that light that gives life. You, you have tasted it. It has rescued you. You are living and immersed in that light. You've seen the darkness shattered from your soul and the chains of death uh, defeated. You, you know that light of life. But not only that, you now become an ambassador for that light. You see... If you're a follower of Jesus, understand Jesus uh, calls you the light of the world. It's not only, it's not only that, that you have received this light that dispelled the darkness of your soul, but now Jesus has called you and me as his followers to reflect that light. He says in Matthew 5, 14, 15, and 16, he said, you're the light of the world. Stop hiding it. Why are you hiding it? Stop covering up. 
You're the light of the world. Stop hiding. Let your light shine so that people around you might see the glorious work of a loving God in you. Listen, we're called as ambassadors of Christ to push back the darkness. How do we do that? How do we display this light of Christ? Well, we display light by telling truth. We, we tell people the truth of their sin and, and of judgment and of righteousness. We tell the truth about, uh, no, I know you think you're a moral person. I know you're doing your best to live life according to uh, how your moral code and compass has taught you. But, but understand that's not enough to make you right for God. That's not enough to make you fit for the family of God. We need to tell people the truth that their sin has separated them irreparably from a holy God in the only way way for them to enter into the family of God is not by the works that they do and not by religious efforts that they pursue, but by receiving the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ who alone died on a cross for them and was raised from the dead so that they might have new life and be forgiven forever. We need to tell them the truth. We push back darkness when we tell the truth of the gospel. We push back darkness when we show the truth of the gospel and how we live. And we, we Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does God require of you, O man or O woman? What does God require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? To do justly, to do justice, to stop doing injustice, to stop winking at injustice, to stop acting like injustice is okay. To stop pretending like you're being just when you're really being unjust. He's saying to you as a follower of Jesus, we need to be on the front line of justice for those who are vulnerable and oppressed. We need to be on the front line of justice. And this is not a political agenda. It never was and it never should be. It should be you and me as ambassadors for Christ pushing back the darkness of evil. To love justice. To do justly. To love mercy. Literally in the Hebrew of Micah 6, 8, it's to love love. Can I just tell you one of the best ways for us to show the light of Jesus Christ is by loving others the way Jesus has loved you. I I think Jesus kind of said it that way. He said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, my followers, by your love for one another, your, your love for one another. So when you go to work tomorrow, stop being a jerk. Got some giggling, but I'm not joking. Stop being a jerk. Love, love. Be kind. Be considerate. Demonstrate the love of God that's changed your life. Walk humbly before God. Submitting your desires and ambitions to Him, that goes back to your why, live for God's glory. If we're going to live in the purpose of God, we're going to, when we live by God's purpose, if we live in that why, then we're going to live by God's power. We're going to share the good news of His rescuing love with others. We're going to, we're going to push back the darkness with the light of Christ. And finally, we're, when, when we live by God's purpose, we're going to join in the work of transforming lives. We, we get to join in this wondrous work of lives being changed, of, of hard hearts being 
being softened by the Spirit of God. We get to join in this glorious work where, where Jesus encounters somebody and they're no longer the same after that encounter. I mean, Jesus met the multitudes, whether it was an individual or a group, whether it was a woman or a man, whether it was a child or an old person, whether it was a leper or a sinner, whether it was a tax collector or a centurion, Jesus met them. And when he met them, he opened his arms to them and and he changed their life when they received him by faith. Listen to me. Please listen to me. As a follower of Jesus, your life has been transformed by God's grace through faith in Jesus. And now you and I, we have the great overwhelming joy of participating in seeing someone who is dead in their inside, who is lost and incomplete, whose soul is shriveled up and is shrinking. Uh, we, We have the privilege and the opportunity of bringing them into the presence of Jesus so that By faith in him, their life can be changed. There can be a reversal. I believe that God can change anybody's heart. I don't believe that you or I or anyone is too far gone that Jesus can't change their life. And we, you and I, we get to be a part of this when we walk in the purpose for God's glory. When we walk in our why, we have the joy of defining our days. Oh my goodness, I want to walk today and I'm going to be looking for someone. I'm going to be looking for someone. Oh, Spirit of God, open my eyes to see someone who's hurting, who's empty, who's lost, who's despairing. Someone whose heart is hardened, someone whose soul is shrunk. Oh God, lead me to someone today to show them Jesus so that maybe, just maybe, God in his great sovereign purpose will draw them to himself and they will be transformed. Oh my goodness, some days I'd rather deal with the worst drunk in Hampton Roads than the most religious person in Hampton Roads. Let me rephrase that. Every day... I would rather deal with the worst drunk in Hampton Roads than the most religious person. See, the most religious person thinks that they've got it all together. They're like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. But the drunk guy, oh my goodness, he knows he needs help. I I, want to be with that guy. And even if he doesn't know he needs help, maybe I could hang out with him long enough where he sobers up quick enough. And he might be able to see, oh my goodness, what this guy has, I need some of that. Guys, listen, we have the privilege and the joy when we walk in the why of transforming lives. Let's not miss that. When we know our why, then it defines our what. Can I ask you, what is defining your days, your decisions, and your actions? Is it God's glory, or is it something less? Hey, here's a newfangled idea for a Baptist church. Let's be like Jesus. And let's pursue God's glory above everything else. And let God's glory define our decisions and our actions. Oh God, let it begin here and let it begin now. Would you bow your heads with me, please?
How does God want you to respond in this moment? What is it? And maybe, maybe you have been living according to the wrong why as a follower of Jesus. You've been putting something in place of God's glory, whether it's your own desires or uh, somebody else's desires, your own pleasures, somebody else's pleasures, but you've been living according to the, own, your, uh, the wrong why. You, you've been defining your days, your decisions, and your actions based upon something less than God's glory. And that's got to change, and you know it's got to change. Maybe that's the commitment that you need to make here and now. Oh, God, help me to live according to the purpose you've given me. Maybe as you look at your purpose, you, you, you begin to understand that, that you need to share the good news with somebody. Or that you need to step up pushing back darkness with how you live and engage people around you. Maybe you need to have an urgency and an excitement to see lives transformed by God's grace. Today's the day, guys. Today's the day. Now's the moment. Maybe in these next few moments, God's going to lead you to come to this altar and and in a fresh way, in a brand new way, you commit yourself to the why that God has given you. You give yourself to the purpose that God has called you to fulfill, and that is His glory. You renew your commitment to follow after Jesus. You renew your passion to share the good news of His rescuing love with someone who doesn't know Him. This altar is going to be open for you to come. Some of you are here today and you do not have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And you want one. You need one. You're here and there's an emptiness in your soul, a big black hole in the middle of your soul, and you need a relationship with God. You've been trying to be good enough or moral enough. You've pursued different religious traditions, but today you see and believe because God has revealed it to you. You see and believe that Jesus is the only way to have your sin forgiven forever and to find friendship with God that will never be taken away. And so your desire today is to embrace Jesus. And if that's you, I invite you to come in a few moments when we worship the Lord together. And You come and you uh, take one of the ministers up here by the hand. You just say, I need to meet Jesus. Lord God, in these moments, this is your time, and may your people respond to you in obedience as you have desired. Now be glorified among your people as we are obedient to you, and draw to yourself those whom you are calling. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.